One, two, three, let's do this! Let's go, baby! In the Dome Podcast. Cast, cast, cast. <laughs> okay, today we're going to do, as of right now, today is what, September 20th? September the 20th, my god. We're going to do the top five, the current. 13 days away from hockey season. I thought it was 14. Well, 14 oh. for the Flames, but 13 days away from the beginning of the regular season, baby! Yes! Oh, feels good. Okay, so as of right now... We're going to do our top five storylines to watch out for this season. With the Flames. With the Flames. Yeah, top five. Right now, as of now. Who knows? Everything might change. So, coming in at number five. So, we're going five, to five, four, three, two, one style. Coming in at number five. Yeah. Matthew Kachuk. And I know literally on the last one, I was like, we're not going to talk about it. But, I mean, we kind of have to talk about it. Okay, so. well, we're not going to talk about contract We're not going to talk about will he sign, won't he sign, because he's going to sign. We're going to talk about timeline and we're- how it's going to affect, A, his play and the team. So, because when he signs, there will be implications for the team, depending on the term, depending on the dollar. There's more implications than just getting him in the lineup for this season. Yeah. So, the signing of Matthew Kachuk, no matter how you slice it, there's going to have an impact on the season and in the future. And there's different scenarios of how it could play out. So, let's start start here. When do you think he'll get done? Realistically, best guess, does he he get done before game one? I, uh, I have steadfast held fast i've been steadfast in my belief that he will get done before the season starts okay i feel like the absolute max it takes length for him to get done yeah is he misses the first week of the season i would be i would literally that's like my absolute max i would be so stunned if he missed games i really would i don't know absolute max he misses five games because we've seen truly the only comparable, not the only comparable, but Johnny Gaudreau when he signed his last deal, he signed the day before the season started. So I could see something like that happening. Yeah, but I would just be floored to see him hold out. And I, f- I feel most likely, yeah, he signs before the season starts. However, I've been thinking that all along, and yet week after week, it's still not done. But there's still two weeks to get it done. There's still a lot of time, and there's still a lot of other guys who aren't done. But. So let's say he doesn't sign until just before the season starts. So he basically misses all of training camp. Yeah, I could see that. Now we saw a couple of years ago it really had an impact, a negative, negative impact on Johnny Gaudreau. Yeah, it took he had him a hard like time getting going. It took him like at least four weeks to get his stride. Well, we see with everybody. Like look at Nylander last year. He missed half the year and he stunk. Yeah. So it's hard. Yeah. So I think again, and for Kachuk, like he probably wants to get in the lineup for that fact alone. So I don't know. Yeah. And you heard Mitch Marner say, well, the whole Mitch Marner thing was a freaking debacle. Yeah. We covered it in another podcast, but basically the fan base started to turn on him because all this info got leaked on how he, his camp was playing hardball, like playing ridiculous ball. What's the worst than hardball? Like totally, not even negotiating. And then once that got leaked, it was within days that he yeah. signed. Like literally. So, and he even commented himself, he said he... he Talked with Dubas in the past. He said he did not want to miss any games. He didn't yep. want to miss camp. Mm-hmm. So they got it done. So, but why isn't Chucky in the same mentality? I like, feel like he is. I don't know. It's just, it's not It's not been quite as public. It's not been quite as contentious from the get-go. Because um, so far he's missed a little over a week of camp. Yeah. He's missed like two preseason games and a little over a week. I don't know. I think it's, I really can't. So how much camp is detrimental to miss? Probably... The first half, like I don't first know, half, like you okay. probably you probably want to play it two or three games, don't you? Yeah, you'd sure think so. Especially if there's new guys on the roster. I don't know. You'd think you'd want to play three games at least. 
So you, you think you want to at least make it to the second half of camp. So the cutoff of that is like you got maybe five, about four or five days here, five days to get this done. Yeah. Before it could be a detriment to not only the player but the team. Yeah. Because so, then if he's not as good in the season, I don't know. I, I was expecting it to be done by now. I really did too. So because it's not, the other thing is if you haven't heard anything, so usually that's a good sign. But who, f- who, who knows? Who knows anymore, man? I don't know. Like, who knows? You just ne- you don't know. I have no idea. I don't know. I'm just I'm I'm not concerned. But again, like I thought he would have been done before training camp, and he hasn't been. So, like, me thinking that he's going to be done before the season, I don't know. Read into that what you will. Like, I, it's really hard to tell. I like, still think he will. I still think he will, too. So, do we want to talk about what the deal actually is going to look like? Yeah, and the implications of different scenarios. I really think it's going to be a three-year deal. It's looking more and more like a three-year deal. However, out of whole RFAs, I think the majority of the forwards have signed five- or six-year deals. Yeah, the only one who hasn't has been... Oh, there's been a couple. So Besser signed a three-year deal. Yeah. And his was, like, really low. And then Timo Meyer signed a four-year deal. But they both shared the same thing in common. Yeah. They have that high dollar in the... in the Well, in Meyer's case, the fourth year. In Besser's case, the third year. That high dollar in the qualifying year that guarantees them, a, like, a, a pretty high contract on their next contract. Yep. So Timo Meyer's was, like, 10 mil. Brock Besser's was, like, seven and a half. Yeah, I think a bit. What was a bit promising about the the Marner contract was that it was six years. Yeah, exactly. That's why we we're like, oh, maybe these guys will start to and like Konechny signed a six year deal as well. So, but I think if you look at the Flames situation, nothing's happened in terms of clearing up cap room. So, like to me, it's just it's um, again unless there is like a contingency trade that True Living has kind of like had up his sleeve this entire time and he's just kind of waiting to pull the trigger while he finishes up negotiating like I cannot see this being any longer than three years can you like I don't know man it's this is getting so hard isn't like, it getting predict? annoying like, it's it's ridiculous I it's almost impossible to predict I honestly don't know I feel just my okay just going with my gut I feel like Tree Living is not going to sell for anything less than five or six years so he's going to do what he has to do to get that part done and then figure the rest out. Obviously, you know. he's going to go over the cap if you sign him five, six years, most likely. Because as of today, we're at we have 6.3, but Yusuf Alamaki will be going on the on the LTIR soon, I imagine, and that will give us about 7.25. Okay. So he's in the realm, but he's if, in, if you're going yeah. to sign a five or six year, you're going to go probably a little higher than that. I feel like if it's five years, it starts with an eight. But his hands aren't completely tied. He can get creative. Mm-hmm. But I, my gut's telling me that Tree Living is going to play this last hardball for get five, six years done. Well, okay. So then the question is, is he going to... Because I think we both think he wants longer term. So let's be, let's say six years is what Tree Living wants. And let's say the Chuck Camp wants three years. If he starts... If like they're going to go right up to the wire, yep. does Tree Living cave to three years? Like how important is that six years to him? Well, who's okay? Let's let's break this down. Like if you're, you got the GMs negotiating with the player agent, players agents. Yeah. At the closer you get to the season starting, who becomes more motivated to sign? Exactly, to, because we to, said with the Marner thing, right? The, when everything got leaked out, Dubis and we thought all the other GMs, Dubis kind of the the negotiating power kind of went back to Kyle Dubis's favor. Yeah. Because everybody's like, okay, the Marner camp's being ridiculous. And any, you, this is negotiation 101. Yeah. So the, the clear, more, whoever's more motivated to get the deal done first yeah. usually caves a little bit 
first. So who's going to be with real estate? Who's going to be more motivated come October first? Exactly, and that's the question. Is like I kind of feel like I kind of feel like it'd be the Flames, wouldn't it? Well, I feel like it's the player until the team needs them, and that's an if around that. Because you look at even last year, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, they were cruising without Nylander. And they ended up giving him his money anyways, which doesn't look too bad now, but he still got what he wanted. Yeah. So I think, I don't know, like, I kind of feel like the the management team of the Flames, like, they really are under a lot of pressure because you have this, everybody keeps saying, oh, they have this three-year window when Johnny Guerrero's there. But, I mean, you really, you can't, I don't know, you can't really screw this season up by letting this guy sit out. I mean, he's going to be a huge, you're missing out on one of your best players. Yeah. So that's why I really think they... Well, outside of Geo, Matthew Kachuk is the engine of the team. Yeah, oh, of course. He's the best play-driving player. He's not the most talented. He's not the highest scoring, but he's the best play-driver. He's the, he's the fu- probably the future captain. He's the future kind of like franchise guy. Like, you're not you're not nearly the same team without him as you are with him. So, yeah. like... I would say the, the motivation he had done, my opinion, is it's about a 60-40. The GM is a little bit more motivated mm-hmm. to get him to start the season. Because it is. Because he's that he's that key to your team. Yep. It's not like Nylander and the Leafs. Exactly. It's not like you have other guys like Matthews, Marner, Tavares, all these guys. And Nylander is just kind of another additional piece there. Like, Kachuk is one of the core. Like, he is a core guy. Here. Well, you've heard it a hundred times. He is the next captain of the oh, team. Oh, for sure. He's the guy. He's the next franchise guy. And then how important is your second line look without him? Or even your power play? Or even if he's going to play in the top line? So, I really think... And especially with... I think... I personally think Tree Living is under a shit ton of pressure for the Flames to have an excellent year this year because, like, especially how the year ended last year, the weird moves he's made that have kind of lost us some assets, the weird signings, like, they really have to have a good year this year for, I think, because if they have a bad year this year, I don't know if he's back next year. He's definitely questionable. So I think he really needs to, they need Kachuk in the lineup really bad. I'm impressed that you went rattled off that list without mentioning Lucic. Very impressed. Well, I said free agent. <laughs> or I said I'm, I'm by uh, by saying free agent, I meant James Neal, and <laughs> included in that was Milan Lucic. So it's okay. just, it's weird, but I really I I just I can't see it not getting done. I just cannot see it happening. Is there any possible way for this to not happen before the season? And I guess like anything's possible, but I mean. I don't know, man. Any, anything's possible. Anything's possible. Nice. Is his nickname going to be Popsicle or or Poss or what? Possible. Poppy. Anything's possible with Martin Pospisil. Yeah, it's re- it's I, hard. It's almost. It's literally impossible to break down. Yeah. Because. But I do feel like because of those factors, and maybe it's even more so. Like, I don't know. Like, Tree is more motivated. I feel like. Yeah. Maybe it's a 60-40 split. I don't really know, but like if you're a player... Well, if you're Kachuk, what, why would you... like? What is the downside to holding out other than not playing? Well, it's tougher to get... You could sacrifice having a a, a, a shittier year, I guess. Yeah. But if if you come back when a deal is done, what difference does it make as yeah. a player? I know. Like, Is he really going to be like... Like, he's going to get paid regardless. But, but so. I guess maybe there's more of, like, the unwritten rule type thing of a maybe. player. It's just like, do you want to be that guy? Well, you know what? And Keith is his dad, right? So maybe there's some, maybe there's some, and I know Keith, when he was a player, like, some had some nasty contract negotiations. So maybe there's something to be said for that. I don't want to be Eric Francis and be, like, <laughs> every week be on here saying stuff like that. But I don't know. Like, maybe he will hold out. Because I've always said there's no chance. And I can't see it, but. Okay. I don't so, know. 
That's why this is coming at number five. It's interesting to see how this is going to play out. It's almost it's impossible to predict. I there's I don't see it not being a three-year deal. I just can't see any way around it. Okay. Like because even if you do, even if you unless you move out one of Brody or Froelich, like right now, you can't. There's no way you can get this guy on five six-year deal. All right. So number coming at number four, and I mean obviously number five is where it is basically because it's a shorter timeline. We don't see it dragging out all season long. Sure hope not. So it's number annoying as shit right now. Coming at number four of storylines to watch this season is how does the goaltending tandem play out? Because before we saw our first glimpse of Talbot, we were pretty convinced that Talbot could be given David I think Riddick I still am convinced. a run for his well, money. I'm not convinced, but it was number, just... could be given a run for his money for a number one spot. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, anyways, I, we've seen we've seen Talbot once. Yeah, as he, a starter, he came in relief, came in cold, but in a preseason game, in his first game ever as a Flame, but looked really bad. He was quite bad. So I, I I'm under the, I'm of the belief of preseason doesn't means absolutely zilch. He's dick all zilch. If you're trying to make the team, that's all the preseason matters for you. Otherwise. It's all about the regular season. Again, like, who was the Oilers' leading scorer in preseason last year? Like, Ty Ratty? Like, yeah. preseason doesn't matter unless you're trying to make the team. So we have touched on this before. Is it, I think, coming into the season, like we said, maybe maybe the plan, for the management plan, is you're going to give them a 60-40 split. And yeah. maybe on a more conservative number, like you said, it's 55-45. Yeah. As Riddick is your number one guy. Mm-hmm. But how many games do you see Talbot playing? I don't know. Do I want to say aside from what we've seen from him so far? Or do you want to take that into account? Well, I think there's a few different storylines. So storyline number one is, is David Riddick the actual number one of his team? Can he like convincingly lay claim to that role? I believe yes. I believe yes as well. But we saw him in the year previous to last year when Mike Smith got hurt. He came in in relief, played really good for a little while, and then kind of tailed off. And showed he maybe couldn't be as consistent as we had thought. Basically, yeah. One. When he had to take over the reins due to injury, yeah, he, he faltered a bit. He faltered a little bit. And we kind of saw that a little bit last year. He did play more games than Smith, but not very many. And I think we thought we he should have been given more opportunities. But he did kind of falter a little bit, regardless of if Peters um, yeah. didn't show him as much favor as he should have. So you could see Tree Living's strategy by bringing in a, a backup guy that can actually challenge for that number one role. But the, then the question is, is Talbot that guy? Can, yeah. he, can he do an effective job of challenging for that number one role? Or is he Mike Smith 2.0? <laughs> exactly. I have always believed, not always, <laughs> I have believed that he is a perfect tandem guy. Well, you were saying this before we even acquired him. No, I've been saying this for months. That he would be a great acquisition. Even like even before he had finished in Edmonton, I was like, I wouldn't mind like trading for Talbot as a backup guy because we've seen him be an incredibly solid backup in, um, in when he was with the Rangers. We saw him put up one of the best goaltending seasons, personal seasons, in the last probably 10 years, the year the Oilers went to the second round of the playoffs. I think that was 2017. He played like 70-plus games that year. was absolutely excellent. And then, I mean, like, everybody's ragging on him. And I know he's been bad, but who wouldn't be bad in front of that Oilers defense? Yeah. So, following up on a season where you played 70-plus games. 70-plus games. In two rounds of playoffs. Like, think of how many minutes of hockey that is. So, other than the last two years where he's been really bad... He's been really good, so I tend to go with with the career with the career mean more so than the last two years. That out of reasons he buys, especially if he's playing a backup role. Okay, now on obviously outside of when we played Edmonton and he was a net. I don't I didn't watch. No, me much. I don't really know much about Talbot, 
Uh, I was getting into it a bit on Twitter with a couple of Edmonton fans. Yeah. They were kind of jeering about how Mike Smith's going to be great, blah, blah, blah. And I sent him a gif of him letting a goal from the blue line. <laughs> Five hole. But they were like, yeah, that's exactly what Talbot does. And then Talbot did it in the very first time I see him. Yeah. So I I don't know. I don't I Okay, I'm, I'm in the same boat. Preseason doesn't mean dick all. Um, well, again, he's a shit ton to prove because, like, his last two years have been very bad. Like, not good at all. Like, 2017 or 2017, 2018 with Edmonton, his save percentage was 908, goals against 302. I feel like it's rare for guys to resurge after playing like shit. I don't know. For goalies, though? I don't know. I get, like, I'm just saying players as a whole. And then last year. I don't year, know if I'm going to throw goalies in there, too, but. Yeah. And then last year, he, he had 35 games played between Edmonton and Philly. And his goals against was 340 and save percentage 892. So that's pretty, Jesus. That's pretty ugly. But that's here's his career save percentage. 915 and his career goals against is 260. Are you kidding me? I would be willing to take a risk on that guy any day of the week. So okay. Especially on a cheap deal. So, And he's an upgrade on Mike Smith. So I think I like Talbot as a backup. Well, there's no way he's going to be worse than Mike Smith. No, exactly, right? Like, there's no way. Like, we all know how bad Mike Smith was last year, and we still were the best team in the Western Conference. Like, he was so bad. You're telling me Talbot is can't come in and play on a team that's got one of the best defensive cores in the Western Conference? Yeah. So, no. and I think, and I could be totally way off and proven wrong here, and he could have another terrible year, but just based on everything we've seen throughout his career... He's had two bad years on one of the worst teams in the league. Yeah. All right. Well, outside of the the individual goaltender performance, you have the Bill Peters effect. Right. Exactly. So and that's the other thing that's interesting between the Talbot and Riddick dynamic. And this is something that we noticed last year. I don't even know if it's a thing, but it definitely it definitely came up last it year. It Came up last year for sure. So there was a game in was it February? We said. Yeah, February. Yeah, February. Late February. Late February. Uh, the Sharks were in town. I was actually at the game. David Riddick was starting, and the, and this is kind of by this point he had taken over the number one position. It was official, but for, it, and especially for the fans, and I think everybody yeah. watching the team, it was like there's like he is absolutely the number one. Now this was about probably a week or two. He had maybe three or four games where he wasn't as best leading into this game, but Calgary went up one nothing. The Sharks came back. Vander Kane came around and scored a total weak. It's pretty weak. Weak goal. Top of the circles. He did a quick like turnaround shot, yeah. almost like okay, I'm gonna get on the net and, and change. And it went in. And it went in. So super soft goal. About two and a half minutes later, Brenton Burns comes down the ice, racing Riddick. To I think a, it was shorthanded or something too. To a loose puck, Riddick tries to beat him. Burns gets there first, pots it in the empty net. Riddick pulled. Yeah. Now this is about 13 minutes into the game. Yeah, in the first period, and it's only two to one. Now, this was the only kind of shit performance we've seen from Riddick all year, and so I'm of the belief of like, hey, the guy's taking over the number one role. We've all we all know how we felt about Mike Smith at the time. Mm-hmm. Why are you pulling him so soon? Yeah, because don't you want to give a guy a chance? To, like, if you're if you're if I'm a coach. And obviously, this is the new up-and-comer goaltender for your organization. And he's been great. Like, don't you want to... You want to see how he can battle back from, like, something... Like, again, it's it's not... Yeah, see how he battles back from something with adversity happening. And, like, give him the benefit of the doubt a little bit. Right. He just lets in two bad goals and that's it. Both those things. Because on the flip side, you pull him too soon, do you risk ruining his confidence? Right. 
And I feel like it did a bit. Oh, for sure. He wasn't. He never reclaimed the net, and now, he was never quite as good. Now there's rumors out there that he's he was had a he had an injury, but I think that, I feel like that was post that game. Though. Well, somebody did say it was since January. Okay, since the new year, because yeah. I asked. So that could be a factor as well. But what was interesting, and I know you guys know this as fans, it was like every time. Riddick should have started. It was just so frustrating to see Smith getting starts he didn't deserve. Yeah. Didn't it deserve. It seemed like Bill Peters kept on putting faith and faith in Mike Smith. Yeah, it's like Mike Smith could do no wrong. Even though he was terrible, it was like he kept getting the benefit of the doubt. And that was, that's the other side of it for me. It's like, okay, not only do you have all those reasons why you want to leave David Gritty in, but the, but the alternative. But then it's like, then you're going to count on Smith? Yeah. So that was very frustrating. So it's like you're not even replacing him with something that's going to give you a better chance to no, win. No, exactly. It's not like it's not like again. Like hopefully we'll see Talbot. It's not like you have a guy who's like playing well and you don't have a reason. Like you have a reason, another reason to take Riddick out. It's like you have this guy who's been dog shit all year and you're putting him in instead. And up until that moment, I was like falling head over heels for Bill Peters. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, like, he's your lover boy. He's my lover boy. He's your. He's to, Bill and, Peters is to you as T.J. Brody is to me. And part of the reason why is because. I'm like after Glenn Galdson, who yeah. aren't you? If anybody's like even you know, Glenn Galdson PTSD. So, but I was pretty upset with Bill about that, and I I'm I still am kind of ticked off about it. Yeah, and it's still just not it's a sour taste in my mouth that he left, um, and I haven't really gotten over it. So that's why for me it's a storyline this year when you're looking at how is the tandem going to play out? Who's going to be can can Tabo potentially steal the spot? The other part of that is is Bill Peters perceivably gonna favor the veteran goalie exactly. as much as he did last year when much to the argument and chagrin of the rest of the fan base he shouldn't have. Exactly. So that's why there's kind of like two arguments for like I could see Talbot definitely playing great and becoming like the one B or even the one, but I could also see a situation where Riddick maybe falters a little bit and then by default Bill likes the the more experienced guy and puts him in there. Talbot gives him way more starts than he deserves, even though he's not playing as good. So there's kind of like two routes, I think, for Talbot. That's why I think it's a question. Yeah. It's because like he definitely could earn it, yeah. or he could not earn it and still get a lot of starts over David Riddick. Yeah. And then then there's another part of me that's like, okay, well, there must be an organizational vision also included in this conversation. Basically, if Riddick isn't your next replacement goalie. Who is? It's not Talbot. No. He he's a bridge right now to get you to the Talbot's here for probably one year. Yeah. He's here he's a maybe two if he has maybe. a good year. If he has a really good year and he gets another cheap contract from us. But that's all he is. He's yeah. just he's just a bridge. To and, see if you have So anything. if Riddick isn't your number one guy, like let's say we go down that path where okay, Riddick falters a bit, Bill Peters favors Cam Talbot, Cam Talbot's playing a little like playing, playing a lot, hockey. Yep. And now you finish the year, Cam Talbot played more games than Riddick. Yep. And then what do you do? I guess you sign him to another year. I guess. Maybe they, they, they go around the bush again. I guess. But so. don't you want to start to kind to kind of develop Riddick? Don't you, don't you want to show more confidence in you him? Think so. Give him better games and mm-hmm. hope and like mold him into that position of being exactly. your next number one. That's what you'd think. So that's another interesting question. So that's another like because then That's it's something like, to watch. Then maybe it's a conversation. I don't know if this happened or not between the general manager and the head coach. And the general manager is saying, "Look, we need to be putting Riddick in those positions." And then there's a whole other thing. Like maybe he was injured. I don't know. No, he probably he probably was part of it. 
But still, I know you guys know this as a fan. Like, I know you guys, I know people watch this because it drove us nuts last year. It's like every game Mike Smith shouldn't have started, like, he would be terrible. It almost made me not want to watch. I know. I'd be like, oh, if Smith is in again? Like, it's it was so much harder so to watch. So if Riddick was hurt, they should have said he's hurt and he's not playing and we're going to try to rehab his knee or whatever exactly, it was. Exactly, because then you start losing faith in the fan. The fan base starts losing right? faith in the management. So all we do is take the information we're given and make and draw conclusions. So the well, information like, we had was Mike Smith sucked and he continued to get starts. And, I mean, if he wasn't... Having a negative injury, why do you want to hide that anyways? Yeah, you I know. guys are going to run him or something like that? Right? It's It was weird. So I think the injury was probably that's a small part of it, but... That's like, to me, asset management on a bigger scale. Exactly. It's like you need to manage... Like part of your asset you need to manage is the fan base. For sure. Let, the, let us know what's going on. And you have to weigh that over, okay, if the rest of the league knows he's got a kind of a bum knee here for a couple of weeks, like you got to... You gotta, Matt, Give us we information. Gotta that out. Well, it should be. I I think it should be more like other sports where you have to disclose injuries. It kind of it really bugs me that it's all secretive. Like I don't get that. Like, do you think there's actually in the NHL that's a problem? Like guys targeting injuries. I don't know. Like maybe, but I it kind of bugs me. I don't know. I don't like how they deal with injuries in the NHL as a whole. It's kind of annoying. All right. So, anyways. There's lots of little minute storylines. There's that, lots of weird into that kind of. There's lots of nuances. There's many timelines that this could be the going towards. So it'll be it'll be one of the most interesting things to watch this season for sure. Yeah, and it could get really interesting. Oh, like, like imagine Talbot plays really well and Riddick falters. What happens in the yeah. first like month or two of the season? All right, coming in at number three is the evolution of the defense core. Oh yeah, baby. What are we going to see because we know TJ Brody was on the chopping block or the trade block all season long, all off season long. Ever since he was in a trade that yeah. would have went through had Nazem Kadri not rejected it. He's been in trade since the day the playoffs ended, we've been saying okay, when's Brody getting traded? Even the, yeah. Now there's three kind of constants in this. You got Gio I mean, we're going to bring him up too. Like, can he repeat? Yeah. Okay, maybe can, we start there. When does he start to decline? Maybe we start there with your number one guy. Because this is the yep. evolution of the decor as a whole. Mm-hmm. Does he de-evolve this year? I don't think he does this year. I think, okay. Maybe he doesn't match his, his I don't think he's going to match his, his offensive production. But I think as a defenseman, like, even what we've seen in preseason, dude looks great. Well, he's still in best shape out of anybody. So, I think he can absolutely still be the best defenseman on this team and one of the best defensemen in the league. I just think you'll see his point totals maybe fall off a little bit. Like, he looks the exact same so far as he did last year. Oh, he looks... Like, he literally looks like the, you know, the playoffs was like yesterday and he's just playing another playoff game. Yeah, he almost looks better. <laughs> he looks so good. And I know they were playing like an AHL Canucks team, but holy crap, was he good. So I will say that he his play doesn't fall off, but his points fall off a little bit. Okay, so not much change there. Yeah, not much okay. change there. Then let's come back to the first pairing, but let's go to the second pairing, because to me that's another constant. Yeah. You're going to see Hannafin and Hamnick most likely all season long. Yeah. And we covered pretty much all these guys already, but Hannafin, I can see him having a little bit of a better season. And that's he's the type of guy, if he can just increase his point totals by five Maybe even ten points. Yeah, like he's going to be right up there in the upper left. If that pairing can be a little more solid defensively and yep. produce a little more offensively, that would be absolutely huge for this team. Because I think that would that, be massive. That would be insane. Because that was the one problem last year was that you had the the Geo and Brody 
pairing be so good defensively until TJ gives the puck away. But then the hannafin Hamannick pairing did get exploited a little bit, especially in the playoffs with their inability to contain some of the team's better players. So if those guys can improve, and especially Hannafin, I think, because he's only, what, 22? If he can really improve so defensively, and, like, he, what, he had, like, 30-plus points last year. If he yeah. puts up, he's a volume shooter, he should be able to put up some more points. If yeah. he kind of, like, can, if he can start eating some of those point totals that maybe Mark Giordano's starting to lose, that would be great. Yeah, and, like, the key for those two guys is... They just have to be a little bit better defensively. Yeah, just a little bit. And a little bit better offensively. Totally. And that's going to make a huge difference. Exactly. And like, they, yeah. like they don't have to get, they don't have to improve drastically at all. Kind of keep doing what you're doing and improve defensively. And I think that will be a really And I think solid that's an easy ask. And I think that's easy enough. I kind of see them doing that. Yeah. Like they're, they became a solid pair by the end of the season. Yeah. They got absolutely destroyed in the playoffs though. So hopefully they can uh, be a little better. All right. Let's bring it back to the number one pairing. You like Brody there or well, I mean, Rass? you've kind of convinced me. Okay. I, it's not that I don't like Rass. It's just that I'm not on the like put Rasmus there. Absolutely. Number one at the bullet just because yes, he was good there for a very small sample size last year, but I haven't seen him play log a ton of minutes against the other team's top players for any length, any period of time that is substantial. So I'm just like not on the train of like, hey, he's absolutely on the top pairing because I haven't seen him enough against other teams' best players. Okay. So, but I do think he slots in there to start the season. Yeah. For me, he's just so solid. Yeah. And it, like, I think if it was me as the coach, that's his spot to lose. To oh, start, absolutely. To start the season. Yeah. yeah. I think the only way you see Brody starting there is if Rasmus isn't as good in, in the preseason and maybe they have a few question marks. Yeah. Otherwise, I think he starts there because again, he and Gio were solid there. You even saw them play in the playoffs a little bit together. Um, and I think you said this once where I was like, oh, I want Brody there. But you're like, but you need to develop Rass. Yeah. So like you're having seeing, him play there is, is important for his development if, as well. If as a GM, you've already decided Brody's on his way out. Yeah. Then why would you want to work on not de- why would you want to develop him in a first pairing role yeah, instead of Rass? Totally. So my one I just have a small question mark on whether he can do it, whether he can play those top minutes and play against the other team's best players, but I think he can and he's shown the ability he can just in a very small sample size. So I just want to see him um, I want to see him there more. So I really do want him to start the season there because okay. I want to see if he can do it. Uh, 2 days ago we did a Brody and Hamnet comparison because they're pretty comparable. They're both up for contract renewal at the end of the year, and it's going to be a question of if you're the GM and you're going to you're not going to be able to keep both of them. Very doubtful. Both of them stay. I don't even know. Maybe neither of them stay, but definitely not both. Yeah. So if, if it is going to be one, we don't know who it is. It's probably Hamnick. Probably Hamnick. Most yeah. of the fans think it's Hamnick. Mm-hmm. But anyways, if you want to listen to that, we, there's a basically player to player comparison of Hamnick and Brody. And if you want to hear me ripping a Brody, <laughs> and you want to hear Michael defend Brody, I defend him. But every every one of my defenses is but but until, <laughs> yeah. And so, like you said, I feel like it, it is between Rass and Brody. Probably they're going to give the I don't know the, the slight edge to Brody or Rass going into camp. But I feel like it is based on the camp. That's who they're going to decide who starts with that first pairing. And well, I feel like after the Brody giveaway, you've seen one game of Brody there, and you've seen one game of Rasmus there. Yeah. And I didn't think Rasmus was actually that good there in the preseason game, but against one no, preseason game. and I didn't think Brody was that bad there in the preseason game until he... Until he fucked up. Until he <laughs> turns the puck over and the yeah. game's over. Yeah. So, totally. and I, yeah, 
Anyways, okay. So then let's go to the third pairing. Obviously, I just one last thing. I really think like that GR Anderson pair could be dynamite. I'm just looking at some of their analytics. Like they had tons of scoring chances. They played very little together, but they were great together. I thought they, they were dangerous together. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So they could be. Yeah, they could be a gr- an absolutely dynamite pairing. So let's say Brody and Rass do pair together to start the season. That means your sixth, your third pairing is Shillington and Brody. Yeah, and I like that. Yeah, and so we also did a deep dive on the on the three younger defensemen in Rass, Shillington, and Valimaki. Check that out if you want to get a like super deep dive in comparing those three players. We did like player to player to player comparison. Yeah. Um, I think the other thing that works about... Sorry, you were going on. Well, I was just going to say, but it looks like at the start of the season, Shillington's your fifth, sixth Yeah, we've heard a few people being like, oh, I don't think Shillington's the sixth guy. He's 100% the sixth guy. Like, there's no way Stone or Davidson is getting ice time over him. From our perspective. From our perspective, anyways. How do you feel? I think the coach... Yeah, the coach agrees. Because we saw last year, even when Stone was healthy, Bill didn't play him. Rightly so. Yeah. So I think Shillington absolutely, and I, that's the other thing I do like about Brody being on the third pairing is because we know Brody plays better on the right side. Yep. So if you can shelter him on the third pairing, on the right side where he's way more comfortable with a younger guy who you're going to shelter anyways, that could be a really solid pairing. See, I too. think if you do shelter Brody, that's where you can maximize his potential. Yeah, and that was a really good point you made yesterday. So it's going to be interesting to see how the second pairing develops throughout the year because I just need to keep getting a bit better, a little bit better and better. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how the first pairing plays out. Can Rass solidify that first pairing role? I think he's going to get ample opportunity to do that. Yeah. So I think we'll see Rass finish the year there. Yeah, I think it's his. I think it's his position to lose on the top right D. Yeah. Because it's either he or Brody. Yeah. And I mean, they've shown a willingness to trade Brody, so I think they believe he can do it anyways. So. Um, so then you're looking at your third pairing, your fifth and sixth defenseman, because here's where it gets interesting. Valimaki's timeline, we're not too sure when it'll be. Probably January to February yeah. when he's due to come back. I feel like he's not going to take six months. But his surgery was only, what, three weeks ago? So his surgery wasn't right after the injury. So now he's... But he's rehabbing. He's a young guy. He's a fit guy. He seems healthy. I think that... Well, I was reading an article Elliot put out the other day. I think yep. it was on 31 Thoughts. And he was like, the Flames are not fucking around with Valimaki's rehab. Because okay. they don't... They know he's like their pillar of their franchise on D. And they don't want to rush him back. So, okay. Yeah, I could see that. But even still, you know, do, okay, well, then the question is, do you see him at all this year? I think you do. do when he comes back, do they just put up, they were going to, obviously they're going to play him in the A to start. Yeah, he'll do conditioning or whatever. He's not going to just jump, he's not gonna jump right back. No. Yeah. What, yeah, whatever you want to call it, conditioning stint or whatever, he's going to yeah. start at the AHL level. Do you think, okay, question. Do we see him in the I, NHL lineup other than... And other than the season's wrapping up and you call up guys anyways, do you see I feel see like him? we probably do. Again, I think it'll be way later I in think the season, so too. but I think we will. So the, in the third, the last third of the season, yeah. we're going to see some Val Mackey action. Probably closer to like March, April. Because then that brings me to this, who is your seventh D-man? Yeah. I guess it's going to depend on how things play out. But either, now you're looking at, if, if Val Mackey's in, who's out? Is it Shillington Right or now, Brody? If it was right now, Val Mackey's healthy, I think it probably is Shillington. I agree. But then, but then you probably would have traded Brody, so he would have been in the lineup anyways. Yeah. So it's tough to say. So it, that's what's going to be interesting because some people are still like, oh, just trade Brody to the deadline. Because I, f- I can't imagine Brody being traded to the deadline unless Valimaki's yeah. unless he's back and Brody has been really bad all the year. The only way they're going to trade Brody at the deadline, okay, we're not even going to go down the route of they missed the playoffs. Yeah. The only way if they're going in the playoffs to trade Brody is if he's stunk all he's year. He's been really bad. 
and Valimaki's and they're like we back. don't we don't we don't see him adding value to our yeah. to our defensive depth in the playoffs. But Tree Living likes defensive depth, so that's why I think yeah I think, I think once unless Shillington has a really solid year and Yuso comes back later in the year and they're still not wanting to throw him right in, I think Shillington's probably the guy who's the seven. So yeah. now let's go back to the scenario. If Valimaki was starting the season, then yeah, he's on that third pairing. They probably go with Rass and and Valimaki. And go with Brody in the first. Yeah. Although maybe maybe it's Brody and Valimaki. Mm-hmm. But then say it is Brody. Okay, let's say you're going based on what we've said so far. So your first pairing is Brody Rass, right? And your third pairing is Valimaki if he was healthy. And Brody, Brody. I feel like now it's a competition between Brody yeah. and Shillington. I feel like if Brody misses, if he's not that great, he might be the odd man out one night. They might bring Shillington in. I think it might be. Kind I of still a- think it would be between Valimaki and Shillington. Okay. I don't know, and again, it depends on how those guys were playing, but just knowing how I know they were deployed last year. Okay. So, so again, interesting to watch how yeah. this all plays out because there's a lot of different factors going on here, especially revolving around when Valimaki returns. Yeah, and I, I think like we, everything we've heard, like TJ is going to be on the team, even though he was in that trade pre Valimaki injury. Um, Okay. Maybe before the season, like maybe I don't know. There might be a trade. Who the hell knows? But. So currently, if with Valmacki out, who's your seventh seed? You got Stone, McDonald, and Davidson, Davidson, and maybe Hamilton. I personally have Davidson as the seventh guy. They won't bring. They'll they'll want to get Hamilton a year in the A to continue to develop. Well, he's an older guy, so I imagine they would sign him to a two way deal and maybe like bring him up. If you're looking at seven and eight guys, from what I've seen at a training camp, my seven is Davidson. My eight is Rob Hamilton. My nine is Michael Stone. Okay. <laughs> and my 10, uh, Andrew McDonald, doesn't, he won't get a contract. Okay. Okay. Coming in at number the two. One. Two? Number oh, yeah. two. We've done three already. And this has already been heating up. This is lights. It's lights. The, this is on fire right it's now. It's the who won the free agent signings slash trade between Edmonton and and Who won the player swap? Who won the player swap? And it was hilarious because I was listening Plural. to the fan yesterday, and they're like, "We're no. Why would we compare Lucic to Neil? It's like, why wouldn't you? This is like the juiciest fucking rival storyline of the past twenty years. This is amazing. We literally like swapped out two players. It's awesome. Why wouldn't you talk about that? It's so interesting, right? Like that is, and all of like this, like okay, based on what we see on social media, this is the main story. Yeah, no, no. Even if people don't want it, say they don't want to talk about it, everybody's fucking talking. And about you it. can't help but be intrigued to see you how can't. it plays exactly. out. Exactly, like you can't expect because it's the Flames and the Oilers. If it had been the Flames and some random ass team, it's like who gives a shit? Okay, who's playing tonight? Do we know if, if Mike Smith's playing tonight? Smith's so, not playing. Tal- oh, is Smith playing tonight? No, no check. way. I don't know. Check. I know Lucic isn't playing. Tonight. Check the lineup because they're they're playing uh, they're playing a preseason game in Edmonton tonight. And Riddick's getting the start. Gillies is getting the backup. Um, and Lucic isn't playing. That's smart. Yeah. They're waiting. They're, they don't want to have some big, huge drama. Yeah. And doesn't Smith isn't playing tonight. They got Koskinen starting, who sucked last night. And I, Neil's not playing either. So 
neither team is getting into the drama right off the bat. No, that's smart. Yeah. That's smart. And anyways, like, it, it, whatever you say, like, everyone's like, oh, you can't compare Lucic and Neal. Yes, you can, and How that's can you interesting. Not? How can you not? How can you not? There's like, a one-for-one player swap. Exactly. The, how do you not compare the Whoever two? is better shows you how, like, again, like, True Living and uh, Ken Holland will be judged on this trade based on whoever's the better player. Exactly. That's <laughs> so stupid. So all you can do is compare the two players. Exactly. Okay. Let's go based on what we've seen so far. Yeah. Because we've seen a little bit of Lucic. We've seen we've two s- games of Lucic. We've seen a tiny bit of Talbot. We've seen a tiny bit of Neil. Haven't seen Mikey Smith, though, yet. We haven't seen Mikey Smith yet, though. <laughs> can't waiting. Wait. can't wait. Oh, man. I can't oh, wait. Oh, it's going to be so good. Okay, anyway, so what do we So far, I ra- how to wrap up all what I've seen of Lucic is that I wish that I was more impressed than I am. Me too. It's kind of like I was, again, if you've listened to this, you know I absolutely hated the trade. But I've if time has passed. I've kind of gotten used to it. You've gone past the, I've the gotten, five I've, steps of acceptance. I'm into the acceptance. And then it's like I was cautiously, like, seriously hoping I was going to be impressed. And I haven't been. He's slow. He's incredible. Like, my suspicions of how slow he is have been absolutely confirmed. He's he, more than noticeably slow. He is so slow. So, and I guess, but the only thing with that is, like I said, his... Even though he's slow, it hasn't caused him any positional issues yet. Not yet, but it's the preseason. He's not playing against top competition. Yeah. Not that he will in the regular season, but it's just really concerning to see him like. I just don't see how this guy's on your third line. I don't see how he's on your third line, and I if he's on the fourth line, like you like you got to really shelter this. And guy. I just don't see how he impacts your team. He doesn't, man. So I want to let this play out, but based on what I've seen, I'm just basing. This yeah, on what we I've wanted seen so to far. be more impressed. Yeah. We really, we didn't want it, like, again, I've posted this everywhere. It's like, I'm rooting for this guy so hard, Yeah. but what we've seen so far, yikes. Okay. Well, let's put a pin in it there, because we don't want to overdo it. We don't want to overdo it on Lucic. Yeah. What we've seen on James Neal, he scored some garbage-ass goal the other night. Yeah. So, basically and what happened... Oilers fans are right? just going nuts. He scores one goal, and now all the Oilers fans are giving it to Calgary. <laughs> it's like, oh my god. This is what the whole season's going to be like this. Yeah, anytime Lucic Any scores, t- yeah. anytime Neal scores... This is ridiculous. Anyways, I was I looked at his goal. I wasn't super impressed. He's nope. kind of lucky. He just spun around and shot it. It went right off the post. He oh, looked like James Neal last year. Yeah. He, However, last night I was watching yeah. a bit. And I texted you. I'm like, shit. If you compare the foot speed to Lucci, not even close. It's like he's like fast. He looks but, like Connor McDavid compared to Lucci. But then he had that close. crappy giveaway in James Neal fashion yeah. that led to the and then, Horvat goal. Yeah, James Neal. He had two. Good scoring chances. He'll hit the crossbar, and I was like, "Fuck!" I think we like got dominated on this trade. But then, at the end of the, at the, end of the game, he's coming out of his zone, does a backhand soft pass right into his D-man skates. Turn the Horvat scores, which alludes to a great turnover. Yeah. Horvat buries. I'm like, that's the James. That's the James. We, will, we know. So, so I mean, I think we've lost this trade, but oh. they're both shitty players. But I, yeah, I don't no, think again. Like we've said a million times, the upside's all for the Oilers. Yeah. Now Talbot. Well, I mean, from what we've seen, and not we, good. And what we've already said is that I'm I'm will, totally okay and willing to just completely forget oh, about absolutely. what I saw. absolutely. I guarantee you right now, Mike Smith is a worse goalie than Cam Talbot this year. There's absolutely no way. Yeah. Like, I, there's no way. Yeah. Like, I, like, you guys know how bad Mike Smith has been for the past calendar year. There's no way in hell Cam Talbot is going to be as bad as that. All right. So obviously, this is going to be very intriguing to see how this plays out. It's going to be a storyline throughout the entire season. Absolutely, and they better play Talbot and Smith. They don't play till December. Did you know that? Like, who is making the schedule? Are you are you it's stupid? So dumb. 
Like I've heard, I've heard this before. How the NHL doesn't do a good enough job. Oh, they do a terrible job of like playing up matchups. Okay, so bad. If there's like any two teams that there's any anticipation for, right? This this is it. I know. It's like, a- and you're gonna wait until what did you say, December? December. You wait until December. It's so bad. I like, don't know why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't game one? I know game one should be the Oilers and the Flames. Like, could you imagine game one? That's what it always how, should how be. What it was like two years ago, back to back, home and home, game one and two. Why isn't it like that? Like why was it back then when there was no rivalry? Now there's a rivalry. Now you no. have all this anticipation. You they literally wait. don't play the Oilers. Get this: they don't play the Oilers until December twenty seventh. Can you believe that shit? We that's, play that's halfway through the season. We have a road trip Dallas, Vegas, San Jose. We have a road trip through Carolina, Nashville, Columbus, Washington, St. Louis, Philly, Pittsburgh, Buffalo, and we don't play the Oilers till almost 2020. Does this mean they like the NHL does not hire people to like make the schedule they've more always, entertaining? They've always been bad at that. Like always. Like who okay. When do the when does the Clippers play the Right? Like, the NBA schedule is, like, as soon as it's released, everybody's like, oh, there's some bangers. Right? Gotta see that. And they do it intentionally. Exactly, because they know how to market the league. It's part of increasing viewership. It's so dumb. It is dumb. It just drives me nuts. But, yeah. That's stupid. Anyways, that'll be really interesting. Fuck, who even knows if those guys are even in the lineup. All right, so I'm I'm on the side. I feel Neil's going to have a better season. I think Talbot's going to have a better season. You're probably the same way. So I still think, like, I, I think Neil... Again, like like we've said a hundred times, it's going to be really interesting, but at the end of the day, neither of those guys really has an impact on their team because the Oilers suck. Yeah. The Flames will be good. Here's the thing. Neil could score 20 goals, yeah. even 25 goals. The Oilers have a really we'll high chance suck. of still missing the playoffs. Hunter McDavid had 120 points last year, and they were nowhere close to being in the playoffs. <laughs> so James Neal can score 90 points, and they would still probably miss the playoffs. But it's going to be incredibly interesting. And I really, really, really hope that we... It's not looking good, but I really hope we don't come out of this deal looking, having it be as bad as it looks. So. Well, no matter what, we still have a better team. It's true. All right. Number one, most interesting storyline to watch for this season. At this point. Is who plays where up front. Because they're so, everything is up for grabs right now. There's so many spots available. Like everything. Is there any spot that isn't available other than top left wing and top center? I don't think so. Here's here's what I think is pretty much set in stone. Johnny Monty. Yep. Chucky Backlund. Is that even set in stone though? Maybe 90%. It's like 90%. Like yeah. 95%. Whispers of Lindholm playing center. 95% Monty, Johnny is, is set in stone. 90% Chucky Backlund set in stone. Yeah. The rest of it? He signs. The com- rest of it. Completely up for Top ground. right wing, second line right wing, every spot on the third line. Every spot on the fourth line. So everything's open. Like and we, we even have guys on the bubble. We have enough guys that we, we probably legit have like 15 forwards. We have so many guys. Yeah, we have 15 NHL forwards. We have 15 options every night. Yeah, which is crazy. So there's so much internal competition going on. It's unbelievable. Yeah. So it's to me, great. that's we both agreed, that's the most interesting thing to see. And it's also really interesting because now, what was the downfall of the team last year was probably depth and lack of scoring outside of the top line. So it could be like, it not only is who plays where, but can they produce? Question for you. 
Is this even an interesting thing if Glenn Galdson's still the coach? No, because they'd be the same lines all goddamn year. It would year. be painstakingly awful. Okay, who would, who would be the guy to play on the top line this year? It would be Lucic probably, right? If Galdson was around? Oh my god. It'd probably be Lucic. <laughs> he'd probably get 30% of the games. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and Johnny would be like... He'd be, like, he'd be going home on that like, yeah. what am I doing? Like, what, what is the this? Hell? What the hell's going on? Jeez. Okay. So, who do you like on the top line? Let's okay. just go through each. Let's go through each line? Well, each pick. Okay. Like, who would you like to see with Monty and Johnny? Okay. First guy that jumps off the page to me is... Let's, let's do this way. To start the season? Yeah, start the and season. And then who else do you okay. think throughout the season? Yeah, obviously Lindholm... I'm not... Moving Lindholm there is like... You go with what you know, and he was absolutely dynamite there last year. So I don't see any reason outside of a depth thing, like maybe they want more depth or he slots better on the second line, to move Lindholm. So I think Lindholm absolutely is the shoe-in guy to start the season there. But I think there are some really interesting options. My contention has always been you try Andrew Manjupenny there. I think he could be dynamite there. I think he could be great on that top line. Yeah. And then, I mean, other options, you're looking at... So the incumbent is Elias Lindholm. The, the what is that word? The uh, challengers are Sam Bennett, also Andrew Mangiapane. Yep. I mean, we saw Dylan Dubé play there last night. That kind of intrigues me. So I think there's those three guys are the guys who you might see up there. Yeah, I think you start with Lindholm for sure. Yeah, because again, that's his spot to lose. Exactly, because he fucking he was. But what else could you have asked for him from there last year? That, Nothing. That line. That was... line was the best, one of the best in the league. Was incredible. So nothing short of incredible. Yeah, you would you don't mess with that unless you think it helps your team more to have Lindholm down the depth chart a little bit and kind of I don't, get a little deeper. I don't mind mind seeing Maj. I have, I have a bit of a favoritism over Dubé over Maj. What about Bennett though? Yeah, I don't mind. I want to see Bennett up there as well. Yeah. My problem with Bennett is, and I'm seeing it again in preseason, he's pretty one dimensional in terms of driving play. It's yep. like, can he play with other people? That's he almost seems like he's in a, in a, in able to have chemistry with anybody but himself. No, see, I agree. And that's why I think he slots best on the third line because I think everyone like wants to, We got to see him play with Johnny and Monty a little bit last year and he didn't do anything. Yeah, whereas Dubé, right away, you're seeing some chemistry. Exactly. Like a, like a, a guy that played in the AHL most of the season, yeah. instantly having some chemistry with Monty and Johnny just because he has the ability to be that type of player. So, And then the other thing that's another option that I think is probably my favorite option is Kachuk. Yeah, I was going to say that too. Because that really matters. Because I think with how Kachuk, you've seen Kachuk is an absolutely dominant possession player. Ooh. And he plays. How, about, the, how about this? Ooh. Sorry to cut you off. No, go for it. I'm, I love it. Ooh, no, Let's go, baby. Ooh, it. ooh, ah. Okay. Monty, Johnny, Kachuk. Uh-huh. Lindholm, Bennett, Dubé. Oh, how about Lindholm, Monge, Dubé? Yeah, either one. Oh, yeah. That gets me jacked up. You know what kind of gets me jacked up, too? Say it's your third line. Yeah. And you put Bennett, or sorry, you put Monge and Dubé together. Yes, and I, I would, love that And I would as well. play them with Bennett. Totally. There's so many combinations. Like, this, if you're a guy like Bill Peters. Oh, man, this he's, is He's perfect. probably, like, creaming his... He's just... Yeah. He's having wet. He's creaming himself <laughs> every night he wakes up. He's oh, like, so many combinations. Like, Holy shit, I just dreamt up of Especially this, when he this remembers you got Derek Ryan in the lineup. Yeah. Like, so I really like the idea of putting Kachuk there because he does play with Backlund so many defensive. He plays against the other team's top line a lot that I think, I don't know, if he could get some more offensive zone starts and be like freed up offensively and then play with Johnny and Monty, like that could be unbelievable. 
that could that could rival the Landeskog McKinnon Rantanen line. Like that, hundred percent. Like that could be an insane line. Yeah. So I like that idea. The only question there is, does that give you enough on your second and third lines if you go like Lindholm? Let's say you go. Well, I guess we keep forgetting about Froelich. Let's say then the second line is like Lindholm, Froelich, Mangiapane. Yeah. That's a little weaker. Like so I wonder what it just depends because we keep we always say this. If you're the GM, you should have a, a serial killer serial killer room yeah. where you have like every possible scenario ever conceived with every timeline and you know when the contracts are ready, when the next one's renewed. Like you got to have all these depth, like so much stuff. But yeah. if you're a, if you're a coach in Bill Peters' Maybe situation, you when you have all these line combinations, like I think how you approach it is you have to do a player analysis each individual. And you say, what does this player bring? What it, what complements this player? So then you're looking at player to player who should maybe put like I think you have to like I don't know how would, how would he obviously you wait and see how they play together on the ice. Yeah. But off the ice when he's formulating who's going to go with who, I mean well, that's that, that's interesting how how he totally. picks those as well. And Bill has shown a propensity to be uh, to like trust pairs. Like he likes picking pairs yeah. and then kind of like cycling guys through. So you got like Johnny Monty. Bathing could chuck. Yeah. Um, I think you saw it a little bit last year with Ryan and Manjipani or Ryan and Hathaway. Ryan with fucking everybody. But he does seem to have a tendency to like uh, identifying pairs okay. and then switching a guy in there. Well, let's go. Let's let's do that. Let's okay. do a quick little. Let's do it. Pairs. Best. Okay. Obviously, Monty and Johnny are the best pair. Oh, of course. And so, you're not breaking them up. Who's the best pair with Backlund? Chucky's pretty Chucky's good. Chucky's pretty good. But like, I mean, for Leak's okay too. But. Yeah. But I would say the best pair is probably for sure Backlund and. But I mean, but I would like to see more of Backlund and Lindholm. I felt like the two Swedes together had yeah. a bit of when they put Lindholm on the right wing with with Backlund and Kachuk. That yeah. looked interesting. They had like instant chemistry. Those yeah. two, the two Swedes, I noticed. Yeah, for sure. So I'd be interesting to see yeah. maybe mm-hmm. Lindholm and Backlund together, yeah. and maybe you, maybe they're your shutdown lineup. Man, how juicy would that? That'd be, be unbelievable. Yeah. Okay, who do you think pairs best with Dubé? I like okay. Does it have to be a centerman? No, you just get based on the whole team. You can pick anybody you want. You well, have to already pair it up. I like the I like the, Manjipani has shown the ability to play with other guys, but I kind of like the Manjipani Dubé combo. That okay. kind of gets my juices going. You know what gets? And I've not seen any numbers. I don't even know if they played a second together last year. My I would imagine not. You know what gets my juices going? What Dubé and Goudreau. Just think about that for Top a second. line. Just think about that for a second. Because if he plays center. Because what that would mean yeah. is that if Dubé generates chemistry with Goudreau, mm-hmm. they don't even have, like, Dubé doesn't have to worry about Monaghan so much. No. Because, and Johnny's good enough to have dual opposing chemistries simultaneously. His yeah. brain oh, works man. fast exactly. enough where he can assimilate, okay, this is a Dubé Talk player. about a serial killer room. Every time he gets the puck on the rush or in the offensive zone, he's got his own serial killer every possible play he could make in his brain. So that gets my juices flowing. I love that a lot. I, I agree. I kind of feel like, for me, I would stick Mond right now. This is kind of like a more of a safer thing. Is like, yeah. stick with Ryan. Yeah, so then your third line could look something like Ryan, Manjipani, and I, I don't know. I can't imagine Jane Kelsey gets that third line spot over Derek Ryan. Like, I just can't see it. Derek Ryan has been much better. Yeah. Um, so my third line, just probably Manjipani, Ryan, and Bennett is probably what I'd go with to start the season. Yeah. And unless for Leak is like, because that's what's weird. Like I know. have too many forwards. And this was the kind of the problem last year. Was like for Leak almost doesn't fit in anywhere. I know, and he's good though. He like, is. He play, he, they they put out the back. He is good. They put the backland. Um, it was like a modified three M line with Sam Bennett. So it was backland. Uh, 
from Philippe. Leek and Bennett the other night. They looked good. Yeah. And he a, scored a goal. They had so a goal. Good set of It's Bennett. weird. It's like, where do these people go? It's like, there's so many of them. Yeah. So, I think, again, in all, all offseason, I've been doing my line projections without Froelich because I thought it was an absolutely done deal. He's getting traded. So, I think your third line probably looks something like Manjipani. I can't see Manjipani not playing in the middle six. So, I think you go Manjipani, Derek Ryan, probably Sam Bennett. Okay. And I'm going to bring this back around because for Manjipani, that's like my safer option is Ryan. But if I'm like a go-forward option, I'm going to pair him with Monaghan. Holy shit. So just like you have Johnny being the, you know, the crazy ability to to pair with two guys simultaneously and be able to make those decision making based on you know who in, you put Monty in that position. So now you have a like you have Monty who can play with Johnny, no problem. But then he also has this chemistry built with Monge. And so when the three come down on an attack, and then you got I mean Monge and Johnny. The thing is, like, it's so weird when you see how, when you try and place players with other players, how it just doesn't work sometimes. Yeah. Like, you've seen it with Sam Bennett. It's like, you put Sam Bennett with Gaudreau. Can't do it. Sam Bennett just can't, has doesn't have the mental capacity. He, he can't think creatively enough to make it work, make it effective. And it's no slight on anybody. It's just saying that some things just don't fit well together. So, I'm, I'll be curious if with Monge on oh, that line, yeah. I feel like... If he just works on his chemistry with Monaghan, doesn't worry about anything else, just kind of lets the Gaudreau thing fall away, like it, you know, maybe that's that's why I think if Lindholm's not there, it's probably yeah, I really like Manjipani or Dubé. That'd be so interesting. Either of those guys, and like what a great way to balance out the depth in your lineup. Oh man, to bring up a young guy like that to put on the top line. I think that's why you see teams doing that to yeah. try and figure out how do we balance this out. I think that's why they're talking about moving Lindholm to center or on the second line wing just because they they saw last year that they got crushed in the playoffs because outside of the top line they couldn't score yeah so if you move Kachuk up there or if you move Manjapani up there or if you move Dubé up there it kind of slots everybody down a little bit and you have more scoring depth yeah so that's what I really like there so okay. there's so many combinations now, he, he, now here's one who because nobody knows who would pair best with Bennett he needs, I think Bennett needs a pairing. I think he again, and everybody pairs well with Derek Ryan. I was just gonna say. I think he played pairs well with Derek Ryan, and if you're not looking at a sentiment, I think he and Zarnik were good together when they played together. That sounds like year. a great line, actually. Ryan Bennett Zarnik. Yeah, yeah. I, I like doubt that. we'll see it because then that means Zarnik's yeah. on the third line. But if you know, Lucic yeah. isn't playing or Felix's not around, you could see that for sure. That's the thing. You got too many options. Yeah, you got so many options. Okay, any other like key players you want to key on? Like who should they pair with? Maybe not Lindholm. Really. Here, he, the things I want to see. I feel like Lindholm and Backlund would be a great pair. Yeah, I think so for sure. I I don't. I'm not crazy about trying Lindholm at center unless it's like unless he really excels there and it's like Lindholm Dubé Monge. The things I want to see: Mangiapane given a chance in the top six. Dubé given a chance in the top six. I would really be curious to see, um, not not Dubé, I just said Dubé. Bennett? Um, no, I want to see, I do want to see Zarnik on the third line. Okay. I like the idea of doing a Ryan Zarnik Bennett line. Yep. That really interests I've me. I've always wanted to see Bennett in the top six, but yeah, I, don't I don't know, know man. man. I think there's better options. Just based on the seating, I don't know. Yeah, I think if you are moving Lindholm, it's because, and then the, there's one thing I really want to see is the Kachuk. Because if you could go, yeah, if you could go, Gaudreau, Monaghan, Kachuk, Manjipani, Backlund, Lindholm, that would be, I think, would be an absolutely perfect scenario. Then you go Dubé, Ryan, Bennett, probably, and then your fourth line is some combination of Zarnik, Janko, Lucic, and we're forgetting somebody for league. 
Man, we have so much depth. So much depth. And, like, another thing we were kind of noodling with talking about is, like, okay, who of the three of Dubé, Bennett, and Manjipani has the best chance at a breakout season? Yeah. Because one of those guys, like, I think one of the keys of our season is having a breakout season from somebody. Yeah, I agree. So, so who you, of those guys breaks out? If I'm going to base it on right now... I would say Manjipani personally. Just on a gut decision, I'm going to say but Dubé. Dubé has looked so good. My gut says Dubé, but if I'm going to break down analytically... Yeah. They all have their own reasons why they would, but I feel like probably Monge. Analytically, I would say Monge, but my gut says do. That'll be so interesting to see how that plays out. Because here's the lineup spots that are up for grabs. Top right wing, yep. second right wing, yep. the whole third line, the, the whole, whole fourth, fourth line. line. Everybody but Joe Monaghan. And then, and, 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 then like three spot, and then three spots in the press box off the team. Exactly. So it's going to be so interesting to see.